Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is a portion of today's gospel from Luke chapter 1. I'll read again these words. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what are your favorite Christmas songs? Do you enjoy the story songs like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman? Do you like singing about jingling bells and winter wonderlands, mistletoe and fa-la-la-la-la? Do you enjoy some of the Christmas classics like We Wish You a Merry Christmas and O Christmas Tree? Or are you more partial perhaps to the great Christmas hymns like Joy to the World or Luther's classic From Heaven Above to Earth I Come? Here's the thing, no list of Christmas favorites is really complete without the song of Mary, which we have before us in God's Word today. We sometimes sing this song as a part of our service of evening prayer. Admittedly, it's not the easiest song in our hymnal to sing, and yet, my friends, it deserves a place on our favorites list. We'll see this as we sing along with Mary in our hearts this morning. Her song is both one of deep humility and also of joyful praise. Now, what is it that got this young virgin Israelite girl to the point that she just had to burst forth in song? Well, let's review a little bit of our salvation history. Uh, Mary was visited by a very special visitor in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, as if it wasn't enough that one of God's holy angels came for a visit, he also brought with him some very startling news to this young virgin. He told her that she was going to have a baby. Now, Mary at this time was probably in her early to mid-teens. So you can imagine how this news hit her. It just bowled her over. Her head was not filling with melodies at this point, was filling up with questions. And so she asked the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Mary did not have her doctorate in human biology, but she understood the birds and the bees. This did not make any sense. This news came as an incredible shock to her. Well, the angel assured her that everything was in God's hands. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. When it rains, it pours. Not only was Mary going to have a baby, but her retirement age relative Elizabeth was also expecting a child. Mary went to visit her, and she greeted her relative. But the greeting that came back to her was more than just a regular greeting. Elizabeth said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. It was becoming more and more obvious to Mary that something unique, something very special was about to happen. Truly a miracle. 
and so she had to sing about it. Now at this point, it would have been pretty easy for Mary to have a swelled head about all this. After all, God had chosen her, of all the young women in Israel, her at this time to be the one who would give birth to God's long-promised Messiah. She easily could have thought, boy, I must be a pretty special young lady. But that's not how she thought. That wasn't her attitude at all. In fact, she begins her song on a note of deep humility. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. All of this, you see, humbled Mary because she realized that she was a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, the very Savior that she would carry in her own body. These words, of course, are a terrible smashing blow to those who hold Mary in too high of regard and actually worship her. I mean, those who, there are those who will say that Mary is holy and blameless and is therefore worthy of our veneration. There are those who teach that Mary is the one who actually carries our prayers to Jesus and he to God, and so she is the one who makes our prayers effective. There are even those who go as far as to put a title on Mary, the title Co-Redemptrix, which means Mary gets at least part of the credit for redeeming the human race. At St. Mary's Hospital in Madison, there's a statue of Mary in one hallway. And in that statue, Mary is standing on a snake. She's stepping on its head, signifying that God sent Mary to crush the serpent's head. All of this, of course, is blasphemy. It's false teaching. And it clearly goes against the words of God that we have before us today. Yes, Mary was blessed. She was blessed to be the vehicle through which God himself would take on our human flesh. She herself would give birth to the Savior. But Mary was also a sinful human being just like you and me. And she knew it. I don't think you and I always have such a clear view of ourselves. I think sometimes we would be more likely to sing along with Mac Davis than with Mary. Remember his song, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Now maybe we wouldn't take things that far, but certainly at times we do think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We look around us, we look down on others and think that we are better than them. And you know something? When you get such a swelled head, there's nothing better for deflating it than just thinking a little bit about God's commands. Actually taking your life and comparing it to God's holy demands in the Ten Commandments. Just asking some simple questions. Do I always put God first in my life? Do I always pray to him as often as I should? Am I always eager to hear and study and learn his word? Do I always honor and respect those in authority over me? Am I always kind and compassionate and even-tempered? Are my thoughts always pure and wholesome and clean? Do I always manage the possessions that God has given me in a way that would be pleasing to Him? Do I always use my words to build others up instead of tearing them down? Am I always content with what my God has given me? 
My friends, I know how I have to answer those questions, and I think you know how you have to answer them as well. Right along with Mary, my friends, we need to realize that we are by nature spiritual beggars. We deserve nothing from our God. The only thing we deserve for him, from him is an eternity of his anger and his punishment. My friends, sing along with Mary. Sing a humble song. Cheerful songs at Christmas time about Santa and sleigh bells and halls decked with boughs of holly are certainly fine at this time of year and they have their place. But my friends, a much more important part of our Christmas is the realization that we have a desperate need for that little baby lying in the manger. Without this realization, without the realization of our desperate need, my friends, then our Christmas celebrations become meaningless and all of our Christmas songs become so much sentimental drivel. But my friends, when we realize the desperate need we have for a Savior, our God also wants us to realize that he sent us exactly the Savior that we need. And that's why Mary sings not just in humility, but with tremendous joy. She knew that God's great and ancient promise was about to be fulfilled. In fact, she was so sure it was going to be fulfilled that she sings about it as if it had already happened. From beginning to end, Mary's song gives all glory to God. And that's why it is often called the Magnificat. Magnificat is from a Latin word that means to magnify or to glorify. It is a fitting title for her song. Listen to how she glorifies God. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary was a faithful Israelite girl, and so no doubt she had learned the history of her people from her parents. She knew about how God's chosen people rebelled against him over and over again, and yet how God forgave them for their sinful rebellion over and over again. She knew God for who he is, the God of mercy. My friends, that same God shows mercy to each one of us. That is something to sing about. So she continues, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. How often God intervened in history to help his people. He brought ten powerful plagues to deliver them from their captivity in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea before them, allowed them to walk through safely on dry land, and then brought those walls of water crashing down again to destroy their enemies. And when they got to the land that he had promised them, he fought for them. He went ahead of them, and he defeated enemy after enemy after enemy. And my friends, all of this was just leading up to a point. It was just set the stage. It was just a prelude to God's greatest miracle of all and a foundational truth, a bedrock truth of our Christian faith. A virgin would be with child and give birth to a son. That son, of course, grew up and lived and died and rose again for you and me and for all people, for our salvation. That is something to sing about. She continues, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Over and over again throughout history, God repeated and affirmed his promise of a Savior. And now God was about to fulfill that ancient promise. From our perspective in history, we know that God did indeed fulfill that promise. In fact, God always keeps 
all of His promises. That, too, is something to sing about. You know, we can learn a lot from this young Jewish girl. In a sense, she teaches us how to celebrate Christmas. There are lots of Christmas songs that celebrate decorations and holiday goodies and presents, and again, that's fine up to a point. But Mary really teaches us to focus our hearts on the greatest present. A present wrapped not in shiny paper and a pretty bow, but wrapped up in human flesh and blood, because he came to save those who have human flesh and blood. In our home, we have a nativity set. I'm sure that the vast majority of you also have a nativity set at home. This one is is kind of special to my wife and me because it was given to us as a gift by some dear friends. And they gave it to us piece by piece, a new piece every Christmas for a number of years. And I bet you can guess which piece they started with. They started with the baby Jesus in the manger. And I think there is a a lesson in that for us. They could have given us a shepherd or an ox or an angel. They could have given us Mary or Joseph or a camel or something like that. But they realized, as Mary realized, that the baby in the manger comes first. He is and must always be the focus of our faith and the center of our attention. My friends, this Christmas, sing a song like Mary's song. A song that puts Jesus first in your life. He is the one who came to live as your substitute. And his life and death and resurrection have accomplished nothing less than your eternal salvation. Through that baby, you have the forgiveness of your sins and a place at the Lamb's wedding feast in heaven. He is worthy of first place in your life. And so in all your Christmas traditions, put your Savior first. Yes, give Christmas presents to your friends and to your loved ones and enjoy receiving gifts back from them. But my friends, remember the most important gift, the gift of God made flesh, the gift that came to live among us and to save us. In all of your Christmas feasting, put your Savior first. Yes, fill yourself with Christmas cookies and Christmas ham. Enjoy that glass of eggnog. But please, don't forget to fill yourself with God's Word and with the supper of His Son's body and blood so that your faith in your Savior, your love for your Savior, and your life lived for your Savior continue to grow and to flourish. In all of your singing this Christmas, put your Savior first. Again, it's okay to sing about Frosty and Santa and Rudolph. But my friends, we certainly have someone much more interesting and much more important to sing about. We have a Savior in that manger. This Christmas season and every season, set your heart on Him with honest humility and with profound joy. Sing along with Mary. God grant this to us all for Jesus' sake. Amen.